Good evening, Elements. Woo! All right. Welcome, everyone. Whether you're here, we're excited that you're here, or if you're online, or if you're going to be tuning in online later, welcome. We're so excited for you to be um, to be intimate here with God this evening or later on in your week. Uh, my name is Karen. I am a board member here. Woohoo! Um, and I'm here to welcome everyone tonight. And I wanted to talk to you. So for those of you who are new here, we have an app. Or if you're, you've been here a couple of times, we have an app. And we want you guys to download it. You can follow along. You can find out about events. You can do all sorts of cool things um, if you choose to do that. Um, in addition to the Heavenly Host, if you're online, we also have People Hosts. And so you're more than welcome uh, to chat with them, ask about prayer. And you can also talk to them um, about uh, anything that we talk about tonight with Lyle, who's going to be pre Reaching tonight. Let's give a round of applause for, for Lyle. Woo! <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> also, uh, tonight, let's see, just make sure I'm checking my notes here. Um, there's a connection card. So for those of you who are new here, or again, or online, please fill out our connection card. You're going to get um, a text message um, if you text to 520 6868, you text the word hello, you'll get a link, you're going to get two text messages to get connected with Elements, it's uh, it's just a way for us to engage with you, we want to know about you, we want to pray with you, um, and then at the end of the service, if you're new, there's a 10 minute party, I'll be there, I think some other folks might be there this evening as well, so please come, um, and we'd love to just meet with you, and again, talk with you, get you connected wherever you uh, are at, one of the things I love, love, love about this church is that um, I see so many familiar faces here, and I know, and I'm a part of many of your lives, and so for those of you who, again, are new, we are just so excited that you're, you've come to this journey with us, that you're, um, you decided to take a leap of faith and come test out our church, and wherever you're at with life, guess what? We're going to love on you, and we're going to embrace you wherever you're at, and so we're so excited about that. Um, last but not least... We do an awesome thing that we do with several churches around Tucson, and we do what's called the Church of the Week. And this week, um, our Church of the Week is Living Branch Church uh, with Pastor Rob Davis. So this is the church uh, that we gave to, that we helped launch um, with uh, the Brian Lee Memorial um, blessing last year. So for, for those of you who knew Brian, who was one of our founding members of Element City Church, we poured into that church just because that's exactly what he did. Again, just keeping the blessing going on. So again, thank you so much for all of you who are here. Let's bow our heads and take a quick prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, let our hearts rest. You brought us here for a reason. You drew us in. And you're about to draw us even closer to your heart, Lord God. And we just ask that you move within us. You move around us. You lift our spirits. And Lord God, we ask that we obey. We, we pray for the church of the week, Lord God. We pray for Pastor Rob. We pray that you lift that church up. You lift his spirits up. And God, we pray for Lyle. Lord God, we ask that you just use Lyle um, tonight in order to use your word and to fill our hearts. And we pray all these things in your name. Amen. Come on, let's get on those feet. 
Let's go forward in praise tonight to our Heavenly Father. Death could not hold you, the veil tore before you. You silenced the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory. Before you are raised to life
the darkest day in history. There on the cross they made for sinners, for every curse is blood atoned. One final breath and it was finished, but not the end we could have known, for the earth began to shake. The veil was torn. What sacrifice was made as the heavens roll? All hail, King Jesus! All hail, the Lord of heaven and earth. All hail, King Jesus. All hail, the Savior. 
So we come before you, holy God, and we bow before you, we take our crowns down, God, and we acknowledge our weakness, we surrender ourselves before you, before the holy God, the King of kings, the Lord of all lords. You are seated on the highest throne, there is no other God than you, there is no higher, no higher than you. So our worship belongs to you. All the glory and all the honor and all the praise to the King of Kings, the Lord of heaven, the creator of the earth. And let every breath praise the Lord. So our hearts, God, we submit our hearts before you. May you have the way tonight, God, the way you want it. We submit ourselves, God, we really want the Holy Spirit to move in a powerful way, changing us, transforming our hearts in such a way that all our life brings glory to, to such a beautiful King, God. Tonight we pray for Lyle as he's bringing the word, God. We're opening our hearts, we're calming our mind, God. Will you speak as we listen? And all the glory, all the praise again, God, belongs only to you and you alone. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Well, welcome. Uh, last week when I did the welcome, I totally forgot about our online folks. So I wanted to apologize. If you're watching online and you tuned in last week and I just, I ghosted you. That's on me. I apologize. Uh, but we're glad that you're tuning in and joining us tonight. For those of you in the room, grateful to have you with us as well. Uh, our pastor, Jack, is on vacation. He got to uh, go golfing this weekend with his son. Uh, they uh, are celebrating his bachelor party. So Taylor is a huge uh, golf nut, so they set up a whole trip to Palm Springs, and uh, Jack's been out there. So he gets a week off, which is awesome uh, that he gets to refresh and relax a little bit. He'll get to be on vacation uh, towards the end of the month as well. Um, but yeah, we're in the middle of a Sermon on the Mount series uh, that we've been going through. We're in, what, week six now. Uh, as we've been trekking through that, we, we did a Beatitude series last year where we, we kind of covered the first part, but we've never covered the entire Sermon on the Mount. So that's what we're finally doing here. Uh, and we're in week six. I call this message tonight, How to Give Rightly. And uh, where we're at tonight, uh, Jesus has just finished this first major portion of the Sermon on the Mount by telling his followers the statement, uh, we heard it last week, that you must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. No pressure. No pressure at all. You must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And it's really, it's a bookend for that section uh, because what he had done, he was unpacking six ways that our righteousness, if we're gonna be followers of Jesus, if our righteousness is gonna exceed that of the Pharisees, we need to know the heart behind why the law exists and what the law is saying. And so he, he kind of starts that section out uh, by saying your, your righteousness needs to exceed the Pharisees' righteousness and he fin finishes it off by saying uh, that it needs to, uh, that you must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Uh, but if you were here uh, a couple weeks 
weeks ago, um, we talked about this Greek word teleos, and that, that, that's what that perfection's about. It's about this wholeheartedness. So, um, yeah, much of what Jesus has said, if, if you notice about this, this passage uh, so far, is that it's less about how we act. It's less about how the followers of Jesus act. It's more about what motivates his followers to do the things that they do. Telios, a telios person isn't somebody who, who is super concerned about their actions. They're more concerned about their heart motivations. And they recognize that as those motivations are uh, true and pure in the way that, that Jesus is, is describing to his followers, that they'll actually uh, be able to live that wholehearted kind of mature life that, that Jesus says that we need to have. First uh, Samuel 16, 7 says this. Uh, it's a principle that's really important for us. It says, for the Lord sees not as man sees, because man looks on the outer appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And so this statement creates a tension for us because anybody motivated properly can externally practice righteousness. And the Pharisees in Jesus' time, they were righteous dudes. And I don't just mean like California surfers righteous, like these guys knew how to follow the law. And they were more righteous than you and I, like they, they went out of their way to make sure that they didn't just follow the, the regulations and the commandments that were in the law. They actually found all the things that the rabbis would preach, anything that a religious leader would say, uh, this is something in addition to the law that you should do. And these Pharisees would do it and they would do it with excellence. Um, and yet, what we know from that is that their actions may portray a degree of righteousness. However, their inward motivation revealed that they were only in it for themselves. And we know that. Jesus called this out all the time. They wanted all the applause of man. They wanted the important seats in the temple. They wanted the rabbi to come to their home for the biggest uh, holidays of the year. And because the Lord looks on the heart, he's looking for more than just external obedience. He wants to see teleos followers. So this Greek word teleos, while it implies perfection, it really, it's about maturity. It's about wholeness. And once someone is living with a wholehearted devotion that enables them to live out their purpose, that person would be considered teleos. And Jesus wants you, and he wants me to be teleos. And so I want to chase this thought tonight about motivation, because it's true. Anyone motivated properly can externally practice righteousness, even if only temporarily. It's what we do with kids, isn't it? How many of you have ever found yourselves with a, a child and you kind of whisper to them and let them know, all right, now, if you can sit quietly through the service, we'll take you to get ice cream afterward. All right, you've used that before. Anya used that with me last week, you know? And I got ice cream afterward, so what does that say? So why do we do this? Why do we uh, like to dangle the carrot, so to say? It's because we recognize that the promise of reward is actually a very powerful motivator in the human experience. It's human nature. So as we move into the second major section of the sermon, we're going to see that Jesus doesn't actually shy away from human nature. Uh, it's quite the opposite. We're going to see that Jesus will use the promise of reward to help motivate us to pursue this wholehearted righteousness in a way that will honor the Father. So let's pick up the Sermon on the Mount in uh, Matthew chapter 6. If you've got your Bibles with you, you can start making your way there. Uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Of course, the notes are always in the YouVersion app where you can follow along online as well. But as we uh, make our way there, we need to know that Jesus is setting up this new section of the sermon uh, where he's just finished covering uh, what we talked about earlier, that this idea of that righteousness uh, regarding the law. 
Uh, And so now Jesus is going to describe for us what righteousness looks like as we practice our faith. So Matthew chapter six, starting in verse one, says this. It says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. Thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret reward you. And so what we wanna see immediately, Jesus brings up the idea of motivation and reward. Right away, verse one, he lets us know what will keep us from being rewarded by the father. And this verse is going to set the tone, not just for tonight's message, but actually for the next two weeks. This whole section deals with uh, giving to the, the poor, with prayer and with fasting. And Jesus is saying, beware when you practice your faith, when you practice the things uh, that I've asked you to do, this, these righteous actions. Um, be careful not to do these things to be seen by other people. And so why would Jesus uh, say this? What does he see about human nature that leads him to warn us about this right away? Perhaps it's because Jesus knows that many of us need affirmation when we do something. Isn't it what the religious leaders were doing back then? Whether we like to admit it or not, we're still motivated by the promise of reward today, even if that reward is only the temporary approval of those who are around us. And so Jesus calls the religious leaders out with this statement that at first glance, it might be a little bit dramatic in verse two. Uh, He says, when you give to the needy. And we'll just take a quick pause there to notice he's saying, when you give to the needy. This isn't an if you give to the needy. Jesus is assuming that you are generous. Jesus assumes that you're willing to give to help those who are in need. And we're gonna see that over the next couple weeks, that Jesus assumes that you're praying. Jesus assumes that you're fasting. And these are all practices that we need to make sure if we wanna be a teleos, a wholehearted follower of Jesus, we need to do these things. He wants us to be generous even today still. And so Jesus says, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you like the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets. And so Jesus is referencing the synagogues and the streets uh, because these would be the most public areas in town. If you were a first century Jew uh, who uh, was God-fearing, then much of your social life revolved around uh, being in the temple. And so history suggests for us that whenever the collections were made, when they would gather alms for the poor, uh, that potentially there's a trumpet that would sound beforehand to announce that it was time to make this collection. And so whether that's true or not, we also know that there's evidence that uh, when people would come forward to give, that there would be these trumpet-shaped receptacles that people could throw coins into. And so when they throw the coins in there, the more coins you throw in, the louder it's gonna be. So either way, we know that that there's suggestions and evidence uh, that there was some sort of sound that could be related uh, to when you were giving alms to the poor. And if you were to make that loud sound, you were in essence, trying to show off just how generous you are. So either way, Jesus is making a powerful point here. And that's because Jesus is telling his followers this. He's saying that there's a way to give that may appear righteous, but in fact is completely selfish. There's a way to give that on the outward appearance, it might look like it's righteous, but if we were to look at our inward motivations, we would see it's completely selfish. So these hypocrites that Jesus is referring to, 
It's kind of fascinating that when he talks about them, Jesus' day, the hypocrites weren't necessarily the do as I say, not as I do crowd. Like we kind of rail against hypocrisy today and we find it disgusting when someone wants to set a standard that they're not even willing to hold themselves to. And yet, interestingly enough, Jesus is calling them out for how righteous they appear. They're very publicly making others aware of their ability to follow the law and to act pious. And the key word here is act. And that's because the original word uh, for hypocrite uh, is actually the word that was used to describe actors in the theater. So uh, Jesus is calling these people out because much like the actors in a theater would do, uh, these religious leaders, they're playing a part. They're simply trying to play a role where they would appear pious, that they would appear religious and righteous, and yet their heart motivation inside isn't to love God at all. And this issue can become very dangerous. Even in today's day and age, we recognize this. Uh, Let's say that there's a church that creates a strong culture of giving. Sometimes people aren't necessarily giving to try to build a reputation uh, that surpasses everyone else. Sometimes people just want a reputation that lives up to those who are around them. Sometimes people give from a wrong motive uh, because they just want to look as generous as everybody else. And so what solution does Jesus give us? For those of us who, who might be tempted uh, to, to give in a way that would dishonor God. He gives us this uh, in verses three and four. He says, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. So he wants us to to make sure that when we do give, that we're not giving to draw attention to ourselves. Imagine if we were to try to to blow the trumpet today and how ridiculous uh, this might sound. Um, My good friend Sam is here. Sam, come upstage. He doesn't know we're doing this at all. Sam, come here. Sam hasn't had the greatest of weeks. And so, Sam, I want to do something to make your week a little bit better. I have a gift for you, Sam. I have a gift, something that I would like to give to you. There's supposed to be some trumpets playing right now. To make, there it is. Nope, that's not it. We worked this so much earlier. It's always great when the joke doesn't go off. It's almost even funnier, like that intentional. Are we going to get it? Nope. No, all right, sweet. So uh, I was gonna have a trumpet out here, but I didn't want you to remember me pulling a trumpet out as the only thing that I did tonight. So we had this audio recording of Royal Fanfare. I'm trying to buy time. Is it gonna work? It's not gonna work. So imagine though, look how giving, look how generous I am because I wanna help my friend Sam. Sam had a bad week and so I have a gift card to Dutch Bros. And there's $5 on there. But look how generous I am and how loving I am to help my friend Sam. Am I not the greatest? Like, that's the most ridiculous thing. You can go ahead and grab a seat. You don't have to stay up any longer. Thanks for letting me embarrass you. Uh, So the point of all that is, is, there's clearly a way to give that exhibits very little righteousness. And realistically, again, we're not trying to to draw attention to ourselves. We're not trying to play a trumpet or anything. Uh, But what is it about us that causes us to look uh, for affirmation in all all the wrong places? And that was the point about reputation, that a lot of times uh, that's what the hypocrites were doing. They wanted to lift themselves up and show off how great they were, how pious they were. And 
you know, Sam's still going to be blessed by that. Uh, he's still going to go get a, a coffee, and he'll be like, sweet, I was able to get that because someone gave that. And yet, there's a little bit of that that's tainted, isn't there? If it's given from a heart where it's meant to show how cool I am or how awesome or generous I am. And so we got to make sure that we're not just trying to get a reputation that surpasses those around us. And we also have to make sure, as we said before, that we don't get that reputation that just tries to rise up to those who are around us. That's why Jesus wants us to give in secret. That's the solution, giving in secret. In fact, being so secretive in our giving, he says that our left hand has no idea what the right hand has done. And so here's my idea. Here's what we can do. We need to get sock puppets for each hand, right? With those plastic googly eyes. And that way it's like, I'm going to give Sam a gift card. And it's like, I wasn't supposed to know that. You just take the googly eyes off and then that hand has no idea, right? Listen, if we were to get like a cheesy Christian name for sock puppets like that, right? Like testaments, you remember in the Christian bookstores, testaments that you could buy? Get a cheesy, I'm telling you, this would, anybody want to invest in this one with me? It'll go great in the South, you know that. The Bible Belt will love that. No, that's obviously not what Jesus means either, is it? Jesus is intentionally exaggerating. He's using hyperbole here because he wants us to understand this principle. He wants us to understand that maybe we need to go around in ski masks all the time. That way we can make sure that people don't see who we are when we're giving, right? Like, can you imagine if that homeless person comes up and is like, hey, I need some money, and you've got a ski mask on, you're like, hey, let me take you into the grocery store to buy you a bunch of groceries in a baklava? Like, that's probably not gonna go over well, right? Because the fact is we could still have the wrong heart motive even in that moment. What if we're simply waiting for someone to catch us and they unmask us, Scooby-Doo style? It's like, we were wondering who this generous person was. We knew it was you all along, Greg. And then maybe Greg's like, that's right, and I would have gotten away with it if you darn kids didn't interfere and rob me of my eternal blessings. That doesn't work either, does it? It doesn't work either. Jesus is speaking strongly about giving in secret because he knows how quickly our motivations can turn sour. That's what he wants us to guard against here. He's calling out hypocrites for only giving to receive the praise of men because when they get all the profit plaudits, uh, they receive all the reward that they're ever gonna get for everything that they've done in that moment. It's cheap and it's fleeting. There's a way to give that may appear righteous. And when others notice that and applaud you, and that was your heart's motivation, notice how good God is that he still gives you what you want. And yet, that's not the blessing that he really wants to give us. He wants to give us so much more than that. Jesus wants us to be motivated by something far greater, something eternal. He wants us to exchange being motivated by the temporary for being motivated by the eternal. He wants us to exchange being motivated by the applause of people that we may, if we're honest, not even like all that much for being motivated by the affirmation of a holy, loving God who created you, who knows how you work, and who delights to bless you when you follow after him wholeheartedly. So what is it that makes us hesitant to accept that Jesus isn't afraid to dangle a care in front of us to try to motivate us to be the kingdom-minded people that we're called to be. I think maybe it might also be because we've bought into an altruistic worldview. And some of you are like, oh, what did he just say? Um, an altruistic worldview. Uh, if anybody ever studied philosophy, you might be familiar with Immanuel Kant. 
Immanuel Kant was a kind of a leading philosopher, and so he had this idea that um, uh, he called it stoicism, but it was really made popular that uh, a person should never act with the desire to, to get something in return for what they do. That all people have a duty to do what is right and what is necessary, and that person should never expect anything in return for doing so. And it's a nice idea. In fact, many of us have actually bought into this sort of worldview, if we're honest. We do nice things for others because that's what's expected for us as Christians, as followers of Jesus. But if we're not careful, we're now creating a theology where we think that we can save ourselves by how selfless we are and by how well we are able to fulfill our duty as Christians. Folks, this is still legalism. That's still a works-based theology that spits in the face of grace. We, in essence, believe that we can quietly give and fulfill our duty to help those in need. But the reality is this mechanical response, like that, it lacks love. Picture, uh, picture a, a nice bouquet of flowers. Let's say that I love my wife, and I haven't bought her flowers in a while, and so I want to get her some flowers, some nice, beautiful flowers to honor her. Now, if I show up and I give her the flowers, and she looks at them and is like, oh, that's so sweet of you. I'm like... I'm merely doing my duty. <laughs> How loved does she feel in that moment? There's the joy of receiving a gift, yes. And it might, they might be pretty, and she might be so focused on how pretty they are that she might have missed how mechanical I am being if I just show up every week with the same set of flowers because that's my husbandly duty. But when I show up with this big, beautiful bouquet of flowers and she's not expecting it and she comes home and I'm just like, I just want you to know that you are the greatest wife that I ever could have asked for. I love you. I'm so grateful to be your husband and I wanna make sure that you know how grateful I am and how much I love you. That's why I did this. Ladies, which one do you want? The choice isn't that difficult, is it? This duty-based approach, it doesn't work and Jesus actually flat rejects it, if you notice. He rejects it because he is openly talking about the rewards that the Father gives to those who practice true righteousness. It's because Jesus understands humanity. All humans are motivated by the promise of future reward. Even Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. That's what Hebrews 12.2 tells us. Jesus knew the joy that would come from giving his life as a ransom for those who would call him Lord. And so as they follow after him and spend eternity with him in glory and receive those benefits, that brings Jesus joy. Jesus knows that we need the proper motivation to give with the type of heart that the Father wants. And that really brings us to what I believe is the true issue. It's not just that we're looking out for reputation. It's not just that we're trying to meet some sort of standard um, I think the real problem is this. We've all heard this adage, complete it for me, complete the sentence. It's better to give than to receive. It's better to give than to receive. Jesus, Jesus knew the importance of giving. That's why he laid down his life. He gave his life for us. Jesus knows the importance of giving even here. That's why he's telling us when you give to the poor. Jesus expects us to be generous. And so we as Christians can hear that statement and in the back of our minds, it resonates with us because we've experienced it. We know it's true. It really is better to give, to receive. It feels better for the soul. It brings us a much deeper, lasting joy when we give to others and we see their delight in receiving. In fact, that's what Jesus has called us to do. 
But have you ever noticed this? Have you ever noticed that it's actually easier to give than it is to receive? It's actually easier to give than it is to receive. Think about it. We live in a culture where being a self-made success story is applauded and it's celebrated. And so when we're in the position to give, whoo boy, man, it feels so good to know that we've done so well for ourselves that we can give from our excess and we can still be comfortable. But that is also instilled within us when that happens, this strong sense of pride as Americans to reject outside help as often as we can because we wanna be self-sustaining, because we don't wanna be reliant on the kindness and generosity of others to help us make ends meet. Even if the moment of need, say you're in an emergency or serious tragedy, to receive help like that is to admit that we couldn't do it on our own, and God forbid. And so our true motivation, if we were really to look at it, is to avoid the embarrassment of ever needing to receive anything at all. And so when someone comes along and God has placed it on their heart to do something generous to bless you. And in turn, they wanna be obedient to Jesus. They wanna receive their own blessing for being generous and doing what God has asked them to do. How do you respond? Can you humbly accept when someone wants to bless you or does it completely rub you the wrong way? If we're not careful, we may become so successful and so self-sufficient that we forget that at our very core, we are still very much in need of receiving God's grace on a daily basis. And if we can't receive the kindness that others want to show toward us, what makes us think that we're ready to receive something so much greater and so much grander like the gospel grace that leads to salvation in Christ? Have you ever received something so great that it actually made you uncomfortable? What does it feel like to receive something in that situation? I can tell you, uh, there was a time that Anya and I, uh, right after we got married, we had to submit her immigration papers. We had a kind of a window uh, after our wedding where we were able to get the proper documentation together and submitted, and we needed to submit all the immigration fees with that. And at that point in time, neither of us were working stable full-time jobs. I had a part-time thing uh, with Elements at the time, and that was it. And so uh, we were at this point where we knew that we needed to submit all the documentation and pay uh, to submit those forms, and we could pay it, uh, but it was to the point where uh, we would probably have about 100 maybe $200 left. That's it for the rest of the month to pay rent for the month after that. And so we were nervous, not going to lie. We were, it was tense for me especially as a man who wants to provide for his wife. Like most of us men can understand how that feels when you feel like you can't even provide. So I uh, had some friends who used to come to Elements as well. And uh, one of them pulled me aside after service and was just asking how that process was going. And uh, very humbly, very gently, he even brought up like financially, you guys can be able to, to swing. Is it going to be okay? And I was honest. I said, yeah, we can, we can pay for it. it will be, it'll be tense for a little bit, but I think God will provide and we'll be okay. And he's like, well, um, I ask because I think that God wants to provide through us. Like we really feel it's important for us to support you and your wife. We love the two of you. Uh, and so we wanna pay all those fees for you. 
And so he pulled his checkbook out and he wrote me a check with four figures in it. And I have never received a check like that in my life. And I remember getting in the car and uh, I didn't wanna make a big scene about this in front of everybody at church. But I remember getting in the car after service was done and Anya sitting next to me and I'm like, babe, you're never gonna believe this. And we just sat there and teared up together as we watched our generous God provide for us through the generosity of someone else. Receiving something significant makes you uncomfortable. God's grace is scandalous. It is meant to make you uncomfortable. It's a beautiful thing. We sing about it. It's amazing. That's why there's a song that we've been singing for 300 years that grace is amazing. We know that. And yet, if we really understand the gospel message, we also understand how heavy it is. We understand the weight that grace carries with it. And yet we would all do well to remember that because of our own disordered desires, because of our broken human nature, it causes us to do things that we know dishonor the creator. We stand before the Lord in all of our brokenness with a debt that is so large that there is nothing that we could ever do to pay it off. We are in need. Every single one of us. It's uncomfortable to be in need. It's embarrassing to feel like there's nothing that you can do to provide enough for yourself. It hurts your pride to be in need. And yet then steps in Jesus. And Paul, who was one of the most brilliant Christians who ever lived, he wrote in the letter to the Colossians that Jesus took the debt that stood against us and he set it aside, nailing it to a cross. Jesus took that debt upon himself and he paid it in full. And the natural human response for us is to recoil in terror at the idea as Americans because it's uncomfortable for us to be in need. And it's embarrassing to realize that there is nothing we can do on our own to provide for our own brokenness. That's the scandal of grace. And yet when we stand in that moment and we're able to humbly receive the gift that Jesus has given to us, that's when we learn that until we receive that most precious of gifts, we are unable to truly give anything with the right heart. If you want to be a person who knows how to give rightly, you must first learn how to receive. If we wanna be the type of people that Jesus describes in verses three and four, the folks who know how to give without letting the right hand know what the left is doing, the ones who just give because we wanna bring joy to God because he's so generously given to us, that's the natural response for us to want to generously give to others. We have to recognize as well though that God wants to reward us for that and we have to be okay with that. God never expected us to sacrifice so much of our own lives without receiving something that is far greater in return. And so the empty and unfulfilling praise of man is exposed for what it is. And we see that our desires, our needs have become so great that they can only be fulfilled by honoring and obeying an infinitely loving Father who never runs out of ways to generously reward us for our obedience. In these verses that we've read tonight, Jesus describes someone who is so eager to love and please God that they would do everything that they should do for his eyes alone. From time to time, others may be watching. 
And if we are that eager person ourselves, we would also do well to realize that there are other eager followers of Jesus who are a part of this body who also want to do the same, which means we need to allow others to bless us when it's clear that they're acting out of obedience to what they know that God has called them to do. But we especially need to recognize that our giving is an act of worship that honors Jesus when we do so with the right motivation. That's why Jesus wants us to be motivated by the eternal rewards that our Heavenly Father can give us, not by the temporary reward of recognition from men. How interesting that we're so willing to trade these eternal rewards for something so cheap and temporary. And just a quick side, I don't even have this in my notes. Maybe you're the person who, um, who giving isn't the issue for you. That for years and years and years, you've just, you've, you've given it all. You just keep giving. The reality is there's also a temptation to get frustrated when we feel that we don't ever get noticed for that. Especially for those of you who give with your time, who serve uh, as a part of our tech team maybe, or in e-kids, there are some thankless things that that people do, and they do faithfully for years. And the reality is, uh, I'm human. I forget to thank those folks for the things that they do. And so maybe you're that person that you you feel like you have given in secret, and you're just like, man, God, can I please have just one attaboy? That's all I need, just one pat on the back. This is your reminder that, like Jesus said, your heavenly father who sees in secret, he knows what you've done. He'll reward you. And that's the heart check that we have to go through. We have to remember, maybe uh, others aren't noticing what we do. But Colossians 3.23, that's why it tells us we work heartily to the Lord, not unto man. We work heartily to the Lord, not unto man. Uh, and Paul knew this. Uh, That's why he also encourages us, uh, even now, with these words that he wrote to the Roman church in Romans 12.1. He said this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Notice what he says right at the beginning. He says, in view of God's mercies, He's appealing to you to remember immediately the mercies of God as we remember the gospel of Christ's death, his resurrection. What better reward can we be given than that? That promise of eternal life with him. Then, in that moment, that's when we're meant to present ourselves as living sacrifices to God. If you want to be the person who can give with the right heart, Always give in response to what Jesus gave for you. And remember that you've already received the greatest reward possible in having a restored relationship with the Father. And yet there's still so much more that God wants to give to his children as they walk out their faith in obedience to him. So how do we do that? How can we live with God's mercies in view? That's a question uh, for you to take to the Lord in prayer this week. Being a living sacrifice uh, means that you've set aside your own desires, your own will for your life in exchange for God's desires for you. If you want to be a person who knows how to give rightly so that you may be rewarded by the Father, first and foremost, receive the mercy that God has shown to you today and already. And once you receive that, 
That's what enables us to live a transformed life because it's that kind of a holy emotion that propels us forward into living out God's good and perfect will. That's how we can give and be the teleos person. Let's pray. And Jesus, just as I think about this, um, it's so difficult to check our heart motivation. It's so easy to fall into the trap of um, doing the things that we do just to, to fit in with those who are around us or even just to, to build up some sort of reputation where people would look at us in a certain light. And yet, Jesus, this is a gentle reminder from you that uh, what others say about us doesn't matter. It's what you say that we need to be most uh, aware of and most concerned with. And so you've made it clear in your word for us what it is you've called us to do, how you've called us to be. And so what I'm praying for tonight, man, it, it takes the Holy Spirit's power It's only by that alone that we can exchange uh, the motivations of uh, this world for the motivations that you want us to to be driven by. And so God, just make us aware of that gospel grace. Pray for every person who's here tonight. Would we be the type of people who can receive the way that we were always meant to? We could just see our own disordered desires. We can see the ways that we failed you and know yet that you still love us. You still died to redeem us. You paid a debt that we could never pay so that we could have a relationship with the Father. And all we have to do to receive that is to believe in you, Jesus, to believe in your sacrificial death upon the cross, to believe in your resurrection, and then to declare you as Lord of our lives. And so in view of that, that's our spiritual act of worship is to respond to that, God. We wanna be those types of people that when we go to love others, to serve others, it's always in view of your mercies. It's always in response to what you've already done for us. And so what people say about what we've done, it doesn't matter. There's gonna be moments where people notice us in our generosity, and that's okay. That's not what drives us. That's not what motivates us. What we're driven by is a love for you and a desire to follow you in a teleos way, in a wholehearted way. So Father, would you just continue to speak to us tonight as we finish uh, with a song and worship? But God, would you also help us to create the space just during this week to pray about that, to pray about how we can live with your mercies in view. What is it that you want us to do in response to your mercies in our life, God? There's a call that you've put on all of us and how we can respond. Help us to be people of faith with the courage to do what it takes to respond rightly. And as we seek you in prayer, God, let us find you. Let us find you quickly. Let us hear from you, our loving Father, the words that you wanna speak over us the delight that you want to sing over us uh, as we follow after you the way that you desire that we would. So we pray it all in Jesus' name.
is weak will you help me see you're all that I need yes Jesus you are all that I need 
Man, if, uh, if you've never responded to the gospel message, if you're not even sure what I'm talking about, I'd love to talk to you afterward in the back at the 10 minute party. I'd love to invite you just to, to receive that. Um, but man, um, I'm just proud of this team. Like it's just so good to worship together, isn't it? So uh, yeah, a couple of things before we uh, wrap up tonight. Uh, giving, we do that a little bit differently here. Most people give online, but there's some boxes in the back, the, the metal boxes. If you wanna drop that into whatever your offering is into the envelope, you can drop it in there and give that way. Um, couple things coming up that we want to make sure that you're aware about, uh, aware of. We have a guys night out that's coming up June 25th from 5.30 to 7.30. That's going to be at Splitting Timbers. So we're going to throw some axes. Uh, and I hear that some women actually like to throw axes and we're a little offended. So there may be a counter movement that starts at some point. I don't know how that's going to work, but listen, guys need to hang out too. So dudes, Unite. There you go. There's a link inside the Elements app. If you go into the Elements app and go to the, the Events tab at the bottom, there's a link where you can sign up. We just need to have you sign up uh, in advance to make sure that we reserve the right number of places. We've got the 10-minute party going on in the back. So if you're new, we'd love to meet you back there. Uh, Karen's already back there. Anya's back there. I'll be back there as well. Uh, we've got a gift for you. We've got the best kettle corn this side of the Grand Canyon. I love that people are saying that with us now. That's always been my goal. So a uh, group of people are going to dinner tonight at La Pria Suiza. So that's up on uh, Speedway past Craycroft. And it is my favorite Mexican food restaurant. So you know what I will be doing uh, in about 30 to 45 minutes. That's eating a whole bunch of chips in a very disgusting manner. So uh, feel free to join us for that if you would like to. But other than that, we hope you have a great week. Let me pray us out. God, thanks for this glorious and generous grace that you have covered us with. God, teach us to be people who are able to receive, to receive that grace that you've given us. And as we learn to do that, would it just propel us forward to be uh, the generous types of followers that you've called us to be? People who look for every opportunity that we can to bless others, whether that be to pray with them, uh, to give, to meet maybe a financial need, whether it's giving food, whether it's just even giving time, whatever it is, we want to wholeheartedly follow after you. So I just pray your blessing over everyone here tonight. God, may they live in your favor this week. Would every one of us just get to see you at work in our lives in some tangible way this week. We look forward to it, Lord. Uh, we look forward to gathering together next week uh, once again to do it all over again. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Amen. Have a great night.